that's what I always liked is that how localized his his powers were. So yeah. like you know he couldn't like set somebody on fire, but so long as he was surrounded perfectly by four metal posts, <laughs> he, he could set those on fire. Yeah, <laughs> only those four specific posts. Like. Yeah, only only if there's like if he's in the middle of them, you know. Because if, he, if he's, like, on the other side of them, like, away from the four posts, he can't set them on fire. Hey, guess what? It's time for Making Kayfabe with your hosts, Bryce and Dylan. Oh, hello there. Welcome to Making Kayfabe, the podcast where myself, Bryce, and my friend Dylan here, we take it in turns to rebook wrestling storylines in a way that makes sense. This is season two, episode three, and boy, have we got a got a arm burner for you today but first of all and most importantly how are you doing are you all right today yes i'm very good thank you brilliant that is great to hear now we've got that now we've got that out of the way let's actually do the podcast so uh <laughs> now I, I really enjoyed your episode last week actually uh, on the, the aw uh, women's division it was uh it's a really cool take and something kind of a little bit different for the show thank you thank you very much well you know we're always coming up with new ideas you and me we're, we're two very smart individuals and we just are just you know overflowing with ideas and this podcast is just one way to get our, all of our ideas out. We have so many other ones, you know. Oh God, loads coming up. Like we've got, um, we've actually got a, a, for, for our listeners, we've got a whole list together of things that we need to cover, and just uh, it's endless. So yeah, well, we're not going to slow down anytime soon. But yeah, if you, if you've not checked out the um, the AEW Women's Division uh, episode, then just uh, yeah, check her. Check us in any podcast app. You're probably listening to us in one right now. Um, we've got a whole uh, host of episodes there in our back catalogue already. Um, Rumour is that there might be as many as 11 episodes you might not have listened to yet. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the AEW Women's Division today. We're here to talk about something else. Dylan, tell me, have you heard of a wrestler who goes by the name Kane? Why, no, Bryce. No, I have not. Was well, yeah, that, Was he, that the right response? He's, he's a relatively unknown wrestler. Um, you know, he debuted kind of mid to late 90s, pro- okay. probably um, pro- probably actually most famously as evil dentist Isaac Yankum. Oh! Uh, you know you know Isaac Yankum, right? God, I, love, I used to love that guy. Yeah, he didn't do a what whole happened lot. To him. I'm like, yeah. did he lose his job or something? What the fuck, man? Something like that. But now he's a mayor, so like now he's a mayor in America somewhere. So you know, he's uh, he's doing all right for himself. So today's episode is on Isaac Yankum. Is it really? No, it's not. It's about Kane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> same, same, same dude, basically. It's the same guy, but yeah, episodes about Kane. Um, probably one of my my, my favorite wrestlers of all time. Um, I fucking love Kane. Uh, mm-hmm. Since I was a kid, I've, I've pretty much loved every kind of version of him. Um, but you know, there, there were times where I wasn't too happy with his booking, or I thought he wasn't being used to the best of his abilities because the guy has a lot of abilities like he's mm. easily easily one of the greatest big men in the history of wrestling right that's fair to say right i think that's totally fair to say i fucking love kane i think he's like when i first started watching like he stands out he's right like he's you know kian you know he's got the big entrance and all that stuff mm. but he's also like a big imposing dude and that mask was super cool you know he just looked awesome and you're like i like this guy but like you're right he could fucking move yeah, like even like could, he was doing the fucking top rope, um, the clothesline. clothesline. Yeah, we were like, "Whoa, dude! How does this fucking seven foot tall do that?" 
not even December at all, but like you look at him at like 2000 to like 2003 or four, and he's like fucking, he's huge. Like he's not even just like big at tall. He's like he's got muscles upon muscles upon muscles. You know, it's he's a huge dude, and like like you say, he's like proper agile in the ring. Like you know, he's hitting the ropes like nothing else. He's jumping off the top rope. He's remember that mad match he had with um, oh fuck, who was it? Was it? Was it? Was it what against Albert or something? We done like a hurricane rama or something. What? Uh, <laughs> you don't see this. <laughs> what? You didn't see the the Kane hurricane rama. You know what? I swear to God, it was a uh, it was with, with, with Prince Albert or something or Adrian or whatever he was called at the time. But he does a hurricane rama, yeah. Uh, he's like Albert's got him up for like a power bomb and then like falls back and it's it's not like the most like perfect hurricane rama you've ever seen in your life. But you know wow. it's it is a it's a seven foot tall one, so he's he's really cool. But anyway, like so one of the one of the bookings of Kane that kind of really irked me uh, was his uh, his booking after he's unmasking. So mm. in my in my opinion, like a lot more could have been done with him at that time, and um, and he, he, you know what? This is a this is something I'm going to drill home during this episode. Fucking none of it should have involved Shane McMahon. He can fuck off from the storyline altogether. I hated, I hated that they, they basically made him Kane's equal when when Kane was like decimating and dominating everybody else, being the the big big bloody monster that he is. Like Shane McMahon, right. Like, why Sheehan? Like, that makes all of your other trained professional wrestlers look like fucking idiots. Yeah, it does. And, and like, fucking Shane McMahon comes in just off the street, and it's fucking street clothes. He's not yeah, he's fucking, like, baseball jersey, whatever he's got yeah, on. Yeah, like. comes out, and he looks like a fucking monster. He literally looks like a monster. Especially when he unmasked. Right. Well, he, uh, can I, a little sidebar here for you. I uh, I always I I never liked them taking Kane's mask off. I thought he looked way better with the mask on. I just I didn't like mm-hmm. it with no mask. But do you remember whenever he was corporate Kane with no mask and he was oh, like God, in a yeah. suit? Yeah. yeah, I do remember that. That was I, a bad version of Kane. That that was so much creepier than really? like a heel. Yeah. Oh my God. Just it was there's something about like him with his face and in a suit, which is what he's like now as a mayor, unbelievably. But he was just like standing around, and I'm like. That's so much creepier than like you know Monster Kid. There was something about Set it. I'm like, oh my god, I didn't, I didn't like it. But yes, I I agree with you in that once they took like taking Kane's mask off should have been a big fucking deal, right? Because he'd been wearing a, it was part of his image, part of his identity. So to unmask him, first of all, the way they did it was quite flat because mm. up up until that point, all we've heard is Kane wears a mask because his face is scarred from the time mm. his house burned down. You know, we've all been there. Yeah, but when, yeah. Who, who has not happened to, you know, that's right? why I wear a mask, you know. Yeah, exactly. And they take the mask off and he's got no scars. And then JR is like, oh, it's all psychological scars. <laughs> like, yeah. you, you don't need a mask for psychological scars, buddy. That's unnecessary. And then, like you said, after We will that, go into that in the episodes. <laughs> well, good, because like, that annoyed me. And then, like, after that, having a feud with Shea McMahon. Like, here's the thing. I was watching that uh, Kurt angle Shea McMahon match, right? Yes. And that's great. Like, it is great. But also, like, Shane McMahon takes Kurt Angle, an Olympic gold medalist, to the limit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? He and you're like, blows come, him up come on, man. It. Yeah. Like, it is a bit silly. And, like, that, that match is iconic because I had the whole, like, the glass breaking spot with the belly to bellies oh and <laughs> the angle slam off the top rope. And, like, it was, like, see, see the thing with Shane McMahon? Like, some of his matches can be entertaining. 
Like yeah. he's he, Vince versus Shane at WrestleMania 17 is like the best like non-wrestler match ever. <laughs> it's it's so good and like there's so much shit going on and like like she, she, his match against Kurt was all right. It's just it's just so unbelievable. I like, remember that right. time he came back to Raw once and like he was just beating the shit out of Randy Orton with his like stupid little kind of scrappy do kind of punches like just right. fucking terrible. Like, it's that's, so unbelievable. That's exactly it. It's like. The matches are good. Like, Shane puts on a great performance, hell of an entertainer, but it's just nonsense that Shane McMahon goes the distance with all of these guys. Yeah. Like, why she? Like, and then recently, fucking with The Undertaker and AJ Styles and uh, Kevin Owens and stuff. You're like, these are legitimate athletes. Yeah. No offense to Shane McMahon. And God, you know, you can take a bump or two. That's admirable. But, like, you know, it's it's like the David Arquette stuff. It's yeah. maybe not as bad, but you're like, David Arquette like it or not, is an outsider from the wrestling community. He shouldn't be being put over legitimate wrestlers because mm. he's not a wrestler. That just make, exposes the whole thing. David Arquette's redeemed himself, though. Like, he might, right, because he learned him, how to wrestle. Arquette. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's, yeah, he wants to turn, turn that kind of uh, image of him around, which is awesome. But uh, anyway, like... Like back to back to back to Kane. Like so, like this. this you say he, he doesn't. He might not be scary without the mask. But I mean, legitimately, like when I was, I mean, when he unmasked, I was. Um, what would I have to be? I would have been eleven years old. And like I, I specifically remember watching that unmasking and just being fucking terrified. Like I, I remember it so clearly because it was on. Um, it was on the Friday because that's when Raw used to air in the UK. And uh, we used to have to, have to wait till Friday to watch it. I'd finished my week at school. I'd had my dinner, not a care in the world. And then like a, uh, you know, I watch Raw. I get scared to death of getting unmasking because he looked scary. He, he looked weird. Um, but you know, it's maybe not the ideal image of him, you know, unmasking and having that weird hairdo. But you know, it's um, but that's something we'll, we'll touch on. And then the thing that pissed me off is just a couple of months later, I'm watching him getting beat up by Shane McMahon. Like, you know, what is this? It's just the worst. But anyway, I, I've got a little bit of a, a little bit of backstory, a little bit of kind of catching up on kind of what did happen with the Kane and Madison story. Like, have you got anything else to add before we uh, jump into the uh, the catch up? No, I'm excited to uh, to get started and to hear the storyline. Nice one. Let's go for it then. So this is a catch up. So this is where we are at the current. Uh, um, at the time so pre kena masking around like may june like 2003 uh came was tag teaming with rob van damme uh, they had a cool little team going and had uh you know m- most recently been feuding with la resistance they also had a that weird match with the uh, legion of doom where road warrior hawk and um, hilariously no so the choke slam followed by a five star frog splash like he, he got choke slammed and then frog splashed and then got pinned and then like just stood up like, and walked away like, after that like immediately but uh it was <laughs> but it wasn't also wasn't um too far removed from the whole uh, Katie Vick storyline, which was uh, October. Yeah, <laughs> there's your reaction there, which is that, that was October the previous year, so it wasn't too far removed from that. So you're talking like a, you know, six, nine months or so afterwards. So uh, on the second of June, Rob, so Kane he, he loses a match via low blow to Sylvan uh, Sylvan Rondier, is that how you pronounce his name? And, and two, two yeah. minutes thirteen seconds basically from Lyra's distance. So Stone Cold, the the, the co raw GM at the time, he, he comes down the ring and he tells RVD to leave and he cuts a, cuts a promo on Kane basically. He says that Kane he's been lackadaisical at best and that he wasn't the guy who used to fight him back in the day. You know, he tried to get Kane to snap. He was slapping him. He was step 
wiping on his toes, uh, you know, begging him to choke slam him, but Kane wouldn't do it. You know, it's, this is obviously masked Kane. Uh, basically, this is trying WWE trying to restart the Kane character since he hadn't kind of been portrayed the best during and after Katie Vicks. So anyway, Stone Cold gave Kane a stunner and then walked away. Um, and that, that was the end of the segment. So on the 9th of June, uh, Raw RVD uh, beat Rene Dupree in three minutes. And then after the match, he was actually attacked by Lara's Stance, But Kane wasn't there to come out for the save. So later in the night, uh, you know, RVD confronts Kane. And like, where the fuck were you kind of deal? Kane you know, didn't say a word to him. RVD walked off and said uh, to Kane that, you know, maybe maybe what Stone Cold said was true. Um, you know, you're not, you're not the monster you once were kind of thing. Raw 16th June, it's Kane and RVD versus Larry Resistance for the World Tag Team titles. Kane says to RVD that if they don't win, he'll break up the team. Larry Resistance win via DQ when Kane hits the pre with a chair and then chokeslam both of them. So he's basically been put over like a big old monster again. He snaps at the end of the match, basically, and just starts like kicking ass all rounds. Meanwhile on the show, uh, on the 16th of June Raw, Triple H had uh, promised that he would announce a new member of Evolution. So a- after the tag match, uh, Triple H comes out and he offers the Evolution membership to Kane. So Austin then came out and he says, uh, Kane, if you, if, if you turn down Evolution, I'll give you a world title shot next week. Triple H was the champ because, you know, it's 2003 and he always fucking was. <laughs> then then Bischoff, so the other the other Raw GM, remember they had two Raw GMs at the time, Stone Cold and Eric Bischoff. Good times. Uh, oh, great times. Like, he, he came out and he said that if Kane accepted the title shot and didn't win, he'd have to unmask. So... Kane thinks about it and he chooses a title match. So next week we have title versus mask. So Triple H's World Heavyweight Championship versus Kane's mask. Uh, I was going to say World Heavyweight Mask, but it doesn't quite make sense. <laughs> wow. <laughs> He's World Heavyweight Mask. Raw 23rd of June, so Triple H defeats Kane in the title versus mask match in just 11 minutes and 27 seconds. It was thanks to interference from Randy Orton of Evolution. The match, apparently, according to, um, according to Dave Meltzer and the 30th of June uh, Wrestling Observer, it gained a million viewers. Like That match itself just gained a million viewers to the show. So it shows that like many people did care about the stipulation. Um, you know, people were from familiar with Kane through the Attitude Era uh, maybe some have maybe some have tuned out during the um, the kind of post-Attitude Era Ruthless Aggression Era kind of thing but you know a lot of them started to tune back in when they heard that Kane was going to have masks so it's a big it's a big deal like Raw Raw these days would kill for another million viewers for any segments so or a million viewers for anything in some situations so so eventually after some more evolution shenanigans it's just Kane and RVD in the ring there's you know a bit of hesitation from Kane of course um, the crowd or now stunned silence you know for the first time in six years he's going to remove his mask it's a, it's a big thing and uh, he doesn't want to do it so he's hesitating eventually he removes his mask and like in my opinion like looking back on it and watching it again as i did to prepare for this um, episode he looked pretty dumb <laughs> he's like he's got like the the half receding hairline he's got the the short kind of frizzy brown here like remember the mask actually is attached to the hair so he, he loses his long hair uh, he's got some like eyeliner or some shit smudged over his face like um, maybe it's like ash from the burn or something but D- dave Meltzer called him a, a mix between the missing link Waylon mercy and undertaker but anyway he chokeslams his partner rvd throws his arms up and down makes a turnbuckle explode by fire and then that's that's it so fr- from there Kane went on to become uh, you know, a somewhat unstoppable monster. 
somewhat, not completely. He, he chokeslams Bischoff off the stage. He starts attacking jobbers like Tommy Dreamer and Rico backstage. He, he beats up Stone Cold. He sets JR's ass on fire. Uh, he, got, <laughs> <laughs> he got arrested. Tombstone's Linda McMahon. Uh, he got verbally buried by Vince McMahon in a promo on Raw and then here comes the money Shane McMahon who clotheslines Kane over the top rope he hits him with a steel chair and throws him off the stage and basically fuck that you know it's uh, I just uh, Shane does not belong in this storyline at all so WWE they could do a lot better and I'm going to tell you why do you have any thoughts before I go into rebooking Kane Kane's unmasking even I think you nailed it pretty hard Um, enough of the first time <laughs> hey, hey. May I say this was kind of the period where I kind of stopped watching. Um, I mm. stopped at some point, like 2002, and I came back to to see Eddie Guerrero win the belt briefly in 2004, and then I kind of stopped again. Like, um, I don't know what it was about this time, but I just wasn't too super invested. Maybe once Kane lost his mask, I was like, ah, I've had enough of this shit, you know. Yeah, maybe the mask was keeping you keeping you on, but it's actually it's funny you say that because like 2003, 2004 was kind of like my peak as a wrestling fan, I think. Like just the, the ruthless aggression kind of era, because I was too, I was just about too young for that dude era. I got into wrestling properly in like 2001, 2002, and like around that time, like I just loved the brand split and I loved like all the all the Raw and SmackDown and uh, most of the characters and stuff, but. Um, it, it was a weird time. There were certain strange things going on, like storyline-wise, which I understand why you wouldn't have, you know, as someone yourself who did watch that Judera era, uh, might not have compared kind of things. So mm. I do get that. But yeah, like Kane, Kane could have been booked like so much better, I think. And um, let's just let's just fucking go into it. Let, let's let's reboot Kane. So here's what should have happened. So for, first of all, first of all, you've had. You've had Kane as a masked man for like six years at this point. Uh, six, 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 six years. So it's constantly asked, like, who is under the mask? Like, you know, do, do you know the the amount of times as a nine year old kid that I googled Kane unmasked and like downloaded like virus after virus from videos claiming that you know that it was going to be him unmasked? Um, this is this is not a raw main event. Um, you know, the mask person title match was say they with one week notice. Uh, raw main event basically to pop a rating for one week which is not how it should have been like upper card one upper card one versus upper card two is a raw main event kane unmasking's a big fucking deal it's got to be a pay-per-view now kane he unmasked on the 23rd of june 2003 do you know what do you remember what pay-per-view was just one week before that oh hell in a cell uh well actually bad bad blood um so you know <laughs> it's a uh, yeah <laughs> hell in a cell wasn't outside pay-per-view back then but you know, oh yeah oh yeah but, okay but basically where i'm going with this is so it's bad blood but you know in 1997 kane debuted at bad blood where he got oh. involved in a hell in a cell match so bad blood he was involved in a hell in a cell match at bad blood now i don't know if you remember this the actual main event for bad blood 2003 do you remember what the match was it probably has viscera in it it's got viscera in a hell in a cell match you're absolutely right and like you know it came, should have came down and attacked but not really uh, the main event for bad blood in 2003 was literally a hell in a cell match it was triple h defending his world title against any guesses Shawn michaels no um i think taller i think more useless oh shane mcmahon no <laughs> taller <laughs> no 
one more guess. Like taller, more useless, um, big long hair. Oh, it's not Cali, is it? In 2003? Oh, Kevin Nash. Bloody oh, Kevin, Kevin Nash. Nash. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Kevin Nash is not useless. Uh, in what way? I mean, he's. G- I like Kevin Nash. What, what use did he have? Dude, Kevin Nash does have a use. That guy on the mic is fucking killer. Uh, we're going to disagree there. I'm going well, here, here, to clarify. I don't think Kevin Nash is a fucking technician in the ring. But I think <laughs> I think he knows enough to get I think by. We both agreed on that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, even Kevin he never Nash, had good matches. Like, even Kevin Nash is gonna be like, no, not great. But he knows enough to get by, you know. I um, think my, my 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 vision of Kevin Nash is maybe obscure by the fact that that CM Punk storyline, where he kind of like came right. in during the summer of Punk. By the way, check out episode one uh, of Making Kayfabe. Here's but, the thing: like by that point, when was that? 2011. 11, yeah. Like, like let's let's be honest here. Kevin Nash is days in the sun were were long over by then you know he wasn't exactly in his prime in 2011 anyway so <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. triple h versus kevin ash right and it shouldn't have been like so like i say like kind of masking it it's a huge deal so like i'm gonna start just by moving the storyline back just a week or so so that the main event for bad bloods 2003 is triple h versus kane mask versus title it just makes sense like you know kane Kane debuted in 1987 with the mask during a Hell in a Cell match, and now he's going to be unmasking during a Hell in a Cell match six years later at the same pay per view. Like, just it's kind of poetic. It makes sense. Like, so you can do the exact same deal. Like, you know, uh, everything leading up to it can be the exact same. Um, you know, just in a maybe a 20, 25 minute Hell in a Cell match instead of like a, an 11 minute, you know, standard match on Raw with interference and stuff. It's um. Yeah, it makes sense for him to be um, unmasking the bad blood, basically. It's two two huge moments in his career, debuting and unmasking. So he's unmasking. It shouldn't have been used to pop a rating for a week. It should be a bad blood, middle of the hell and cell. Now, the easy thing to do, like, post-unmasking would be to just say, you know, like, erase Shane McMahon uh, and be done with it. But, you know, I've got, I've got a few more interesting things to add, um, which could really add to kind of Kane's character. So... So when he does unmask, that that kind of like the stupid half receding like frizzy hair has got to go. Um, shaven bald, you know it's uh, it's, be- it's his best look in my opinion. And uh, don't 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 bother with the scar makeup, which was just like smudged eyeliner. And um, that has to go. Kane, I I think like you might disagree, but I, I think Kane looks scary with his actual face. Um, yeah. which, which I mean in a in a nice way. Like you know, not saying like the guy's like you know he's he, he's like the face is the guy would pull at the right moment and. Um, you know they're 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 monstrous enough, and like the guy's seven feet tall, he's a scary. Like there's a clip, um, there's a clip I rewatched of Kane chokeslamming Bischoff off the stage, and then the camera zooms in on his face, and the guy just looks terrifying, like a, an actual like horror villain. Um, That's what I'm saying. You put a horror villain in a suit, it's scary as shit. Mm. Corporate Kane, the scariest Kane. Yeah, I mean that could be a future episode, maybe. Just imagine me. you're like. <laughs> You're trying to do your job as a, the authority, and you're like signing papers and stuff. And you look over, and he's just like right in your fucking face, Kane. And here he is glaring at you, and he's got that big smile on his face, you know. And you're like, oh no. He's like, you got to sign these papers for me, boss. And you're like, ah, I liked it better when you were setting stuff on fire. <laughs> I just don't see it. I do not see it. But again, I was, I was kind of like zoned out from WWE at that point, so mm. I didn't see much of corporate Kane, but you know. I don't know, man. Like, I remember 
one thing sticks in my mind there's a promo between him and Seth Rollins where he was like it was corporate game one second and he kind of like he morphed into like actual kind of um, actual there's a there's a name for him like Demon Kane was it he, made, he morphed into Demon Kane and like he just sounded like way more scary then but you know T- t- we're not going to agree on that I don't think like corporate Kane wasn't scary is it? he was a waste of a character I didn't, I didn't enjoy that much but well, the, um, the problem with it is they didn't use him as a scary character if they had of it would have been it would have worked you know they didn't they didn't realize how scary he was yeah I mean yeah I, I can kind of see what you mean there but... I'll don't worry I'll rebook that next week don't you worry yeah. about it. <laughs> two parter for Kane the, the, so the next uh, the next night in Raw um, so everyone uh, this is me rebooking by the way the next night in Raw everyone's like he's scared they're scared shitless of Kane you know you can really you can play it up you can show guys you know maybe like getting changed in the corridors because Kane's in the locker room like maybe have like the camera pan to him in a locker room where he's just like sitting on a, a steel chair with his back to the door that kind of till draped over his face so first thing around this time you also had uh, Tommy Dreamer play, playing a gimmick where he would do anything for money by the, by the way don't worry Dreamer's not like a big part of the story and there was, there was just a part of uh, there was a point in Raw where he was like, eating eating food off the floor like brushing his dog's teeth and then using the toothbrush to brush his own teeth like etc like just for like making money anyway someone gives Tommy Dreamer um, a substantial amount of money to, to go into the ring and call out Kane and demand demand to know where are your burns Kane where's the scars because of course like wwe this is something you touched on earlier down like you know or wwf they, they based his whole his whole character on these scars you know why why does why does he wear a mask it's because you know his brother his brother undertaker burned their home down his kid and horrifically disfigured Kane. um you know but when he unmasks obviously you know glenn jacobs doesn't have any burns so he doesn't have any scars so where are they anyway have Kane fucking decimate Tommy Dreamer. Like you and I both know, Dreamer can take one hell of a convincing beat in, and our, our boy Kane can give one as well. So, so just have Kane absolutely destroy the guy, end him. I'm talking busted open. I'm talking like through thrown through the announcers table. I'm talking close up shots of Kane like, firing away on him or the blood pours that like, make it really graphic, really scary. You can get away with that kind of stuff in those days. Any anytime security comes out to stop Kane, he, he kicks their asses too. So have that happened like three times like three sets of security guards come to stop the chaos where, where Kane can like quickly disposes of them with a, a brick or something and um, eventually it's the end of Raw after the beating and then we, we see like Psycho Kane standing in the ring over the, bo- the, the body of um, Tommy Dreamer who's like bloody and beaten um, and a, a massive like down security guard surrounding the ring as well so it's just Kane you're standing atop of this like this absolute decimation you know so next step and again, this is something I think that's obvious, but haven't actually seen mentioned earlier. Bring in Paul Bearer. So where, where was Paul Bearer during all of this? Like, the, the next thing you do is, you know, make everything make sense. You don't just like insult your, your audience's intelligence. You know, there's going to be... You, they're, they're going to find flaws in the story and Kane not having scars is a big fucking flaw so you know we spoke last week about AEW AEW so far have been fantastic at tying up loose ends everything, everything's made sense in their stories for the most part so the question is like, why doesn't Kane have scars Like, where where are the scars that you know have been spoken about for years the reason he wears the fucking mask so what you do is you get Paul Bearer live on Raw to explain why Kane has no scars, so you actually give an explanation for it. You tie up the loose ends in the story, which is madness. 
So maybe it's uh, maybe it's Paul Bearer in the backstage area. He's like sitting in front of like a black background, speaking to the camera. One of those kind of interviews, like, and he tells he tells WWE and the audience like exactly exactly what happened. He clears everything up. So Bearer explains that yes, um, Undertaker he did indeed burn the family home down as a child. He did indeed kill his and Kane's parents. But, you know, Kane was barely harmed. Paul Bearer, he basically saw the blaze going down. He ran in and saved Kane from the fire before it could get anywhere near him. Just wasn't so lucky with the parents. So, you know, that that immediately just explains why Kane's not got any scars in his face. He wasn't in the fire. You know, he, he was in the fire, but he wasn't burned or anything. He got he got away very quickly. But here's a, here's a, where the, the story twists a little bit. So Paul Bearer, for many, many, many years, led Kane to believe that he was burned in the fire. So, you know, the guy told Kane as a child that, you know, his parents had died. You know, it, it wouldn't be so hard to convince, you know, a grieving boy that, you know, he, he'd also sustained, you know, brutal injuries in the fire as well. So, you know, so what he did when Kane was a kid, he forced Kane to wear a mask wherever he went. You know, he, he had any mirrors at the home where he lived and, you know, all, all the while telling him how much of a bastard his brother Undertaker was. You know, look at what he did to you. Look at what he did to your parents. What a bastard, etc. you know. So... <laughs> I know. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like what a bastard. Like so at, at this point in the interview, maybe we have like Kane open the door and walk in, like black towel draped over his head, you know, Paul Bearer shitting himself. Kane asked Paul Bearer why he did it. So Paul Bearer goes on to explain. He, so he says that he, he did this. He lied to Kane because he wanted Kane to grow big and strong and punish the Undertaker for what for what he did. You know, if, if you remember, one part of the, the kayfabe of the whole storyline was that per, Paul Bearer was having an affair with Undertaker and Kane's mother. So his uh, you know romantic partner, I suppose. But, you know, she she, she died um, all because of Undertaker. So, you know, Paul Bearer is small and fat, so he couldn't be up Undertaker. So, but Kane could because he's going to grow into be a big fucking monster. So, yeah, Kane, not a fan. Not a fan of hearing this. He snaps, he, he grabs Paul Bearer by the neck. You know, he's, he's hurt enough. Like, Bearer's, Bearer's uh, when he's being attacked, he's being all like, Kane, I saved you. I saved your life. You know, referencing that Kane would probably ha- would have been burned if the fire wasn't you know if he wasn't saved from the fire and Kane says like no it's you who's going to burn the fire and then he sets Paul Bearer on fire so like ha- have what? it similar to so have it similar to GR you know but not GR so Bearer you know I think he makes more sense than a fucking commentator you know because it's yeah. actually personal to Kane you know you can stunt it up you can have Bearer wear a fat suit um, but yeah let's be honest Bearer could have probably um, found some use from burning fat back then if you know what I mean but oh. yeah he, he was fucking huge was but yeah like, so, so so Kane he's, he set Paul Bearer on fire which will uh, come into play a little bit later. So, yeah, we're, we're already, like, getting into, you know, Kane just being an absolute loose cannon of a monster kind of thing. Like, he's he's going around, he's beating up poor Tommy Dreamer, he's, you know, he's setting people on fire, but also it's been explained with perfect reason and why, you know, he's not got any scars in his face. You know, he's, he's just had a, a very unfortunate upbringing, basically, from Paul Barrows. So, um, so there's, a human, there's a human aspect of that as well. You can relate to him in a human, you know, there's many people in the world who've unfortunately had like bad upbringings and um, they can kind of relate to that so 
after this, Kane's just uh, he's unstoppable. He's downright scary. So no one wants to be within you know 20 miles of him at, at the risk of uh, treading on familiar ground with the evolution involved booking. Uh, but by the way, check check out, check out episode three on the Eugene character. It's, it's really good. But I, I won't dive into them because um, we touched on evolution in that episode. So, but obviously Kane it has to get revenge on them in some way for causing their masking. You know, you can't. You can't just have a group basically be the the sole reason a guy goes insane without him having to kick their ass, you know. So let, let's just say at some point, Psycho Kane takes out evolution for what they did to him for for them making him unmask. Basically, it has has to be done. So so when, when he's got rid of evolution, you, you got to play this guy like a like a horror character. So you don't put him in like normal situations all the time. The standard like one on one matches with no context, like what what happened with him. There has to be like something special about the character to keep it going. You know, throw throw some gimmicks at his matches. Like, don't don't go kind of full Russo or anything like that. But you know, make him stand out. Um, you know, I'd make I'd, I'd make his matches at least no disqualification. Um, you know, you can then like save some things for the big matches, like uh, Inferno matches and buried live matches and casket matches and etc. You know, for big shows. But but back to now, like for a month or so, you you should have Kane just just be like the loose kind, like I said earlier. Have him have him interfere in random matches and raise hell. Perhaps Kane gets used as like a punishment for superstars that the, the Raw GM Eric Bischoff wants to teach a lesson. You know, threatening that one-on-one match with Kane, which nobody wants, kind of thing. You know, that, that, this this just it's not hard. You know, I, yeah. I mean, for for all the the monster heels in WWE's has in their time, you know, they haven't been too good at booking them. Like so, so many so many monster heels have become kind of comedy characters. Like you go back and you look at like. Kali, um, you know, Tensai, Kozlov, Corbin, you know. Well, even I'm not saying... in, um, well, with Daniel Bryan, um, yeah, when they did a the lot comedy of, uh... spots. And, like, that was awesome, but at the same time, like, it's Kian. He used to kill people. Yeah, it's, exactly. I, I do I do agree with that in a way. Like, I, I, I did enjoy the Daniel Bryan stuff, but it was very yeah. more comedy. Like, you know, it's... Um, it was funny stuff, but also, yeah, the guy's a fucking monster. Like, he shouldn't be doing that kind of thing. So, like, so I, I don't think like Kane was anywhere near as bad as what happened to those guys. Like Tensai with his, um, you know, he was like brought in as like a big like you know killer. Like with um the kind of the whole entrance get up he has and like the fancy music and the manager and like he beat he beat Cena. I'm pretty sure. Then like three months later or something, he's tag team with fucking Brodus Clay, like doing like the fucking <laughs> um, that dance, the fucking like lawnmower dance or whatever it is. Like, so basically, like. They, they could have had something really special with Kane, I think. Um, they, they are, and I'm not saying like the booking afterwards was the worst thing ever, but I mean, it, it could have been so much more. It could have been like the guy, I think, Kane, because um, he's got that familiarity. He's already got that familiarity with the audience. Like people know him from the Attitude Era, and with this storyline, it's compelling. You know, he's unmasked. He's going insane. Like who doesn't want to watch that? So, yeah, it, it could have been something truly special. Anyway, I'm not done. There, there's more to come. So, so eventually, Kane. He's just like, he's so out of control that, you know, he, he, well, he can't be controlled, you know. Every week he, he realises that he's like this um, this this this, uh, this wolf among sheep, you know. You, you basically, at this point, you got to do what you can to convince people this is more than a storyline. So, like, I would, um, one idea I had was I'd run an angle where there's some, some fans at ringside who are, maybe they're like acting drunk and mocking Kane. And so, obviously, these fans are plants, uh, you know, people that WWE have paid to, um, you know, be in the audience. Um, and Kane just, like, starts brutalising them. Like, just... Um, you know, Kane just starts kicking the living shit out of them for, for mocking him. Just takes people out of the crowd and then just starts kicking their ass. And people around him are like, shit, what the fuck was that? Then maybe like once he's done kicking their ass, have another guy in the crowd who's like in no way connected with like what the 
drunk guys were doing uh, another plant obviously and then have Kane drag him over the barrier as well for no reason just start attacking him too and then you know it gets to the stage where you have to like install more than just like a crowd barrier at ringside for Kane you know you got to have that maybe like, like that, that plexiglass shit they've got right now during the Covid era um, you know the kind of like the, the, the it's not what is it? Is it plexiglass? It's not. It's yeah. not glass. Yeah, like that. So I basically so so that Kane can't do that anymore. He can't grab fans from ringside and then uh, kick their asses, you know. So uh, it's it's installing that kind of fear and that kind of like um uniqueness of Kane's character. Like why are these why are these weird barriers here? It's because of Kane, you know. It's because of this monster's character. Anyone watching Raw for the first time at that and at that kind of period would be like you know asking that question and then they'd hear there's this big terrifying monster on the loose uh, attacking fans and that 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 would pique your interest. That that's kind of what I'm thinking, you know. So. Anyway, it, it develops into some other weird stuff happening in Kane's matches. Like what one one stage you'll attack like the commentary team, so it ends up that none of Kane's matches actually have any commentary because the announcers just get up and leave whenever he's near. You know, they're not paid to put up with that shit. You know, have have him attack referees for, for telling him to break at the five count or something. You know, just, just have the guy completely lose his marbles. It may, maybe even have him like attack cameramen. So um, the squash matches that he does, they're only actually filmed in the hard cam. Um, you know, make, make him stand out because no nobody wants to be near this guy. Commentators don't want to be near him to come to his matches. Referees don't want to be there to referee his matches. Cameramen don't want to be there to, you know, um, to, to film his matches because he's just this, this big unstoppable monster. You'll make him stand out. So, Anyway, Kane, he's fucking nuts. So now on 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 the raw roster in 2003, you've got you've got lots of fodder for Kane to be up. By the way, you've got you've got guys like Spike Dudley, you've got um, your boy Stevie Richards, you've got uh, Al Snow, you've got Hurricane, you've got Val Venus, you've got Tommy Dreamer, who we've already spoken about. You know, Kane he attacks them all uh, until there's a a point where. Like a huge percentage of the roster, as well as staff, like commentators, referees, etc., they're, they're thinking, fuck this, you know, we, we shouldn't be living in constant fear from this monster. The WWE should be protecting them while they're working there, you know. So, so do you know what they do? They, they start a union. So, <laughs> next week on Raw, yeah, so next week on Raw, all of these wrestlers, all of these commentators, backstage workers, referees, cameramen, you name it, they get in the ring during Raw and they're staging a protest. You know, they're saying we refuse to work a minute longer until Kane is fired, basically. You know, he's he's been causing us to look over our shoulder for months and we're just absolutely sick of it. And and they're right, you know, Kane's been he's been terrorizing the WWE and WWE have just kind of let it happen. So Anyway, it, it wouldn't take long for Kane to appear. So he comes out, uh, he's got his... <laughs> that, that's with his badass entrance music. By the way, did I mention that Kane had awesome music by this, around this time? Do you remember that song? Um, yes, I actually do remember that song, and I fucking love it. And I'm trying Is to remember the, the name of the band, but I can't remember. Um, it's like the it, Your Fire Burns. I, oh, what was the name of the band? It's going to really annoy me. I don't uh, remember the name of the band, but like I tried looking them up, and I'm like, I think this is their only good song. Yeah, <laughs> they're kind of like a new metalish kind of band, aren't they? So yeah. like, I, I thought that was a really good song. I've not, I can't say I've heard much of their stuff, but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's maybe my favorite entrance music of all time. Like I love really? that song. Like I've got it on like Spotify playlists and stuff, basically. It's just so damn good. But anyway, Kane comes out. So the protesters are in the ring. The, the union are in the ring. Kane comes out and he stands in the entrance ramp and he, he's staring down the the angry mob. You know, he's they're in the ring maybe they're holding up signs like you know fire cane now and one of them's got like one of those kind of megaphone things like they're basically doing what protesters do but do you know how kane responds he he doesn't go down to the ring and kick their asses like no 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 that that would be that would be far too easy what kane does 
is he lifts his arms up nice and high. He throws them down, and then suddenly the whole outside of the ring catches fire, like in an inferno match. So there, the ring is surrounded in fire. By the way, did we, did we conf- at what point did we, the cane not have powers anymore to make things catch fire at will? You know, did we forget that was a thing? Like, what? Do when they took the mask off him? Well, yeah, is that is that his powers all? Like, we're, we're either way, like we're, we're leaning heavily into the cave fit here, but fuck it, like when did Kane lose his mysterious like fire-based powers? Like when was it ever explained that he didn't have them? You know, we're not going to go overboard here, but you know, every 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 week he comes out, he, he throws his arms up and then down, and then fire comes out the turnbuckles. You know, so like you know, it's, it's something well, that you know. That's what I always liked is that how localized his his powers were. So yeah. like. You know, he couldn't, like, set somebody on fire. But so long as he was surrounded perfectly by four metal posts, <laughs> he, he could set those on fire. Yeah. <laughs> only those four specific posts. Like. Yeah, only only if there's, like, if he's in the middle of them, you know? Because if, he, if he's, like, on the other side of them, like, away from the four posts, he can't set them on fire. Well, sometimes, exactly. wait, could he from the entrance ramp? Ooh. So the protesters, they're in the ring, they're surrounded by Kane's fire, so they can't leave. You know, the ring, the ring itself is on fire, but the outside of the ring's on fire, so you know they can't, they can't move. Um, they're all like, they're terrified, they're freaking out. Kane, he starts laughing, he starts taunting them. You know, he's he's having the time of his life where they, they're there, kind of coming close to cooking in the ring. You know, so this causes Eric Bischoff, the, the Raw General Manager, to come out and and beg Kane to stop. You know, please stop Kane. That they're, they're gonna, they're gonna burn to death. You have to stop. So Kane, he grabs Bischoff by the throat and then he screams into the microphone. He says that I've been on an unstoppable winning streak for months now. If you don't, if you don't give me a world title shot right now, I will set them all on fire. And it's true. He, he, he's won every match he's ever been in uh, since I'm masking. So he's he's long overdue a title shot at this point. So Bischoff. Having Kane's hand squeezed around his throat and having, you know, his staff and the the ring damn near on fire, you know, he's got no choice to accept. It it gives Kane a world title match, and, and let me tell you, I'll, I'll just say, it, like Kane absolutely should have been world champion at this point. He should have had the world heavyweight championship in 2003. He was the, uh, it was the most interesting and potentially the most over character they had. At, at the time, like WWE hadn't had a legitimate kind of psychopathic monster heel for a champion for so long. Like you'd have to go back as like Bob Backlund for someone who's maybe as um, psychopathic, maybe maybe mankind. But you know, not, neither of them, in my opinion, were ever seemed as dangerous as Kane did. Kane did in 2003. Like none of them were seven foot tall and built with muscle. You know, so Kane goes on to win the title. You know, you can have a you have a monster with a world heavyweight title. Nobody can beat him. You know, have him keep the title for months and months and months, just obliterating everybody in his way. A- anyway, we're almost at the end here, by the way. So, but but basically, King keeps the title uh, all the way up to Survivor Series, and uh, where we're actually going to start to blend kind of reality back into what happens. So, do, do you remember? Do you remember what Kane got involved in during the 2003 Survivor Series? Uh, other than his ambulance match with Shane McMahon, don't don't fucking mention Shane McMahon. But you know what 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 did Kane get involved in the 2003 Survivor Series? Oh, I feel like I've seen that Survivor Series. Do you remember um, what the main event was? No, probably a Triple H in it. What if I told you it was a buried life match? Oh. <laughs> oh okay. Yeah. Well, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you don't. You don't remember. Like, you don't remember the match. I think I do. 
So basically, like, in the Buried Alive match, so Kane Kane interferes during a Buried Alive match between American Badass Undertaker and our favourite crazy billionaire, Mr. McMahon. He he helps Mr. McMahon beat the Undertaker by by burying his brother using, like, a a fucking dump truck or some shit. Um, I'm basically factoring that into the closing of my storyline because, honestly, I really liked it. And uh, it was great timing for, you know, Kane to get involved with his storyline brother again. So... But from there, again, I would just pretty much keep everything the same. Um, Undertaker, he goes away for a while to to sell being buried alive uh, or to sell death. Um, Kane continues dominating um, as as World Heavyweight Champion until we get to WrestleMania 20, where defending champion Kane meets his dead man brother Undertaker in the main event for the WWE uh, the World Heavyweight Championship. So Paul Paul Bearer, um, as he did in real life, uh, returns with Undertaker at the event with the urn in his hands. He sets Undertaker on Kane, who you know uh, who literally set Paul Bearer on fire just months prior. That'll be the main event because like since like the other main event of WrestleMania 20 didn't happen according to the history books you know mm-hmm. what, what what better way to cement the legacy of two of their greatest kind of longest lasting kayfabe gimmicks basically than having the main event WrestleMania for the world championship so you know that that's where I end it that, that's how I do it that's how I'd book Kane from unmasking in 2003 um all, all the way through in 2004 i think wwe struck gold with the kane character in 2003 but you know they, they put their focus elsewhere so that that's what i think i could have I, I could have made um kane to be a complete main event superstar like the guy basically because there wasn't a the guy at the time you know heel wise other than triple h who <laughs> you know fuck triple h so you know wow. it, that that could have been that could have been like the, the kind of like defining moment of Kane's career, and it was just another, it was just another part of it rather than defining moments. So yeah, that that's why that's how I would book Kane. Okay, um, I I dig the whole thing. You know, I like you. I've been a big fan of Kane. I think that he didn't really get the a fair shake. Like he was so popular, he was so over, mm. and you know, I I feel like he should have had a, a substantial championship reign long before he actually did. You know, um. So I, I enjoyed this kind of rebooking. I really liked the idea you had for, like, making him into a monster. Mm. Uh, like, a really believable fucking heel monster where he's scaring off the cameramen and he's scaring off the the uh, the commentators and stuff like that and the plexiglass and all that stuff. Because I think that that does a really good job of, like, making it clear that he's a monster and nobody wants to mess with him. That's exactly mm. the kind of booking that, that people need to do. And I really like the angle where... Like the people are inside the ring and then Kian like mm. puts the fire all around the ring and he's like, give me what I want or else these people will die. Like that's mm. such a clever gimmick that I don't think they've ever done that before with Kian. And it seems so obvious now. Like I didn't think of it, but till you yeah. said it, you know, but now I'm like, oh, of course that makes sense. Like it's perfect for Kian's character and it's a good way to get him over as a heel, you know? So yeah, I thought that was really good. I think you're right in t- touching on the, um, he should have had a substantial title run as well because he didn't, he didn't actually win the world title until like, oh god, like f- three or four years later or something like that. Like, you know, and then it wasn't even the best title run ever. Like he had it for like, um, I don't even know how long he had it for, but I remember he won, he won Money in the Bank and then he cast it in like Rey Mysterio or something, and then just, uh, yeah, it didn't didn't go down too well. But that was like, you know, he won the world title again, but it was not at the right time. Like just like when he won it back in like, you know, his first reign in like nineteen ninety or something when he beat Stone Cold and held it for one day. You know, it was the wrong time for him. So mm-hmm. just um. 
it's all in the timing like and when you had when you have this king character it's uh, in 2003 at this point where he's just unmasked you know you're literally you're bringing in new viewers or uh, lapsed viewers even you know from from like that attitude era just to see kane again like you know you should be making that guy a champion he should be the focus of the show he should be um you know have all all these special things like i say like plexiglass and like no commentary his matches because the commentators are shit scared of him like have him have the no dq no dq matches like all this stuff and like you should have it all um including the world title and that would be you know it would be the best thing to possibly do for him um you know at that time i would say oh, but also like the way you swung it around to like him still doing that stuff at survivor series with the undertaker that all you know to to lead to a match at wrestlemania that all makes sense because up to this point you've got kian who's been an unstoppable monster he's buried his own fucking brother and mm. he's the world heavyweight champion that nobody can beat who could possibly beat him well now you've got one undertaker has a, a legitimate reason to come after kian and two he's like you know the same size as kian he he also seems like if anybody's going to beat him it's going to be the undertaker because undertaker is a match for for kian so yeah. you've got you, you know it kind of works on two levels plus you know undertaker is well known for being at wrestlemania it's a perfect way to just give him an actual wrestlemania match instead of like one of those thrown together ones you know exactly and then that's like th- th- this match that did happen at wrestlemania 20 undertaker versus k and undertaker came back as a dead man you know because he wasn't doing his american badass gimmick anymore but you know it was um just would add more more to the match if i had the story behind it because there wasn't um the, the match itself was like it definitely wasn't the main event because that was um, the triple threat but you know it was kind of like halfway through the card and just like you know it wasn't a main feature of the show at all and it's, it's Undertaker versus Kane it's your two the two characters who have like the biggest kind of backstories in WWE the most fleshed out characters so like you know you've got to make that your main kind of show and then again like, I know I'm re- referring back to this a lot but if you have Undertaker versus Kane as your main event of WrestleMania you're going to get a lot of people from that to come back to watch WWE at that point you know that's that's the two characters people know like I remember like my friends when I was young, like the ones who didn't like wrestling, still knew who Undertaker and Kane were because they're the two like badass characters, you know. So I just think that would have been a lot better for the character. But you know, that's the one problem making kayfabe. Like we can we can book all this shit, but you know, it's never gonna happen. So yeah. You know, <laughs> but, tell you what, how about how about we get a little bit of a uh, kayfabe tombola on the go? Oh, I'm excited. So now you know how kayfabe tombola is like really stressful, and uh, you know without any added complications at all well i've got a i've got a special treat for you today my friends so Uh (laughs) so we've not briefed this on dylan um uh, we've not briefed dylan on this yet so uh, for for those listening for the first time like what what we usually do for kp tombola is that the the person hosting the episode will have four wrestlers and four situations numbered one to four and letter day to d Uh, the person not hosting that week which is uh, dylan uh, this week, it's because that one will have to choose a number letter combination, so 4B, 2C, etc. Then you're gonna, he's going to have 60 seconds to come up with an excellent storyline based on the given wrestler and situation. But for this week, I'm going to swear of you, bro. This week on Russo Tombola, I'm going <laughs> to give you four reasonably well-known wrestlers and four situations that aren't too complex. So we'll do the same thing as usual. You're going to pick your letter number combination, but... During your 60 seconds, whenever I see fit, I'm going to call out the word bro, which will then mean that you have to introduce a twist to the storyline that no one's ever going to see coming. Oh. So I might say it once, I might say it five times, but you're never going to see it coming, bro. Are you game? Oh my God, yes. This is this <laughs> is my dream. I love this. So this is a... This- 
this is a one-time thing uh, we'll go back to normal next week unless it's like a fucking hit but you know we'll see we'll see how it goes so tell you what don't give me your letter number combination and let's see who you got i would like three d <laughs> and then the good, good old dolly boy's choice <laughs> bit of 3d so so 3d so you could have had who you could have had was cm punk oh you could have had kurt angle <laughs> okay you could have had finn balor okay but who you got was rob van damme all right you got rob van damme and you chose d right yeah so you could have had no is fighting for his career in the main event of the next wrestlemania okay you could have had recruits his mother to help him win matches oh thank god i didn't get that one <laughs> you could have had revives the inferno match and demands all his matches take place in this stipulation so a bit of a keen keen influence there that would have been good but what you had my friend was rob van damme wins king of the ring and undertakes the infamous king gimmick oh you know the same thing it didn't work yeah. for like Seamus Booker T Barrett you know in many more so King King Van Dam basically is who you got okay so you're gonna have to come up with a storyline around the King character of Rob Van Dam are you ready to rock bro uh, yes and then when I call it bro you've got to change the storyline something he's well not see coming so are you ready yes three two oh I've not got a timer <laughs> I've <laughs> got so caught up in Russo Tambola I've not even got the timer ready <laughs> just, just count out loud while I do it while <laughs> we're up to 60 yeah. yeah right I've got a timer now on my phone so are you <laughs> for the third time are you ready to go I don't know if I am dude <laughs> alright let's go for it so three, two, one, go okay so Rob Van Dam is in the king of the ring he's like I'm gonna win it and then uh, he gets all the way to the final and nobody thinks he's gonna win because it's I don't know why nobody thinks he's going to win. But then he does win. He beats uh, Jeff Hardy. And he's like, wow, what a great... Th- uh, but it wasn't really Jeff Hardy. It was Matt Hardy. And uh, <laughs> everybody's like, wow, you beat Matt Hardy or Jeff. We're not sure. And then, uh, so he's a king of the ring. Robin Dab is a king of the ring. And he's got a crown. And then he's like, Bro. yo, dude, what? Oh, it's a, but it's not really a crown. He, um, it's a, just a hat. It's a cowboy hat. And he's like, I'm the king of uh, cowboy town. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> So, I'm, I'm a king and I'm a cowboy, so what do you think of that? I'm, I'm taking this King of the Ring to new directions, but you didn't think this was uh, a thing. And also, no, I wasn't high when I came up with King Cowboy. Oh, <laughs> uh, so uh, the cowboy thing was a swerve. I'm not really a cowboy, I'm an astronaut, and I, cause I get really high. I'm a, and I'm from space, and I'm the king. Uh, what do you think of this? And then, and then Triple H is like, dude, Raw ended like 20 minutes ago, you have to stop talking. <laughs> And everybody loves our new crazy talking Rob Van Dam. What's wrong with him? He's he's insane. Everybody loves <laughs> your, it. Your time finished 17 seconds ago, but that was it. <laughs> <laughs> Russo Tambola's a hit. <laughs> the the oh, ideal thing on. I was going for there, like just in, in my mind, he says that um, Rob Van Dam was saying he wasn't high. I say, bro, you're, you're meant to say, like, I was high. You know. Like, <laughs> Well, that's. I was gonna. Ch- I was gonna change that, but then I'm like, no, I'll change. I'll change something. A, a different part of it, you know. Um, so <laughs> he's an astronaut. <laughs> I got. You couldn't see, but I got so excited. Like my face stood up. I'm like, as I pieced it together, I'm like, he's an astronaut because he gets so high. <laughs> oh my uh, God! Like, <laughs> so Revelation. <laughs> 
So that's uh, that's Russo Tombola. Um, that is a uh, like KF Tombola at the best at, at its best is the most stressful minute of my life. So like you know I can not imagine what that felt like for you, but <laughs> maybe we'll bring that back every now and then. But Russo Tombola just to to um, to mix things up a bit. So whew, that was a. Uh, that was the best one yet, I think. <laughs> really we did good. it. We got through it. Um, <laughs> I really liked that fucking Russo thing. Yeah. We'll, 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 like I say, we'll, we'll bring it back maybe uh, every few weeks or so just to mix things up a bit. But anyway, like we'll, we'll, we'll end it there. So you have been listening to Making Kayfabe. And if you enjoyed it, you should absolutely leave us a review on whatever podcast app you use, whether it's Apple Podcasts, whether it's Podbean, whether it's Amazon, whether it's can't think of another podcast app. It'll take you less than a minute. It really makes a huge difference for the show. Uh, on top of that, we're on Twitter at Making Kayfabe, so please send us your feedback and any ideas you might have for future episodes or even like Kayfabe Tombola ideas or Russo Tombola ideas. You know, we'd love to hear them, and uh, there's many that can get used for the actual show. So, you know, you can also email us feedback and suggestions at makingkayfabe at gmail.com. We'd love to know what you think, and, uh, you know, uh, even tell us, uh, t- tell us, um, Tell us where you're listening from as well. Like um, I've been saying this to you, Dylan, but like, what, one of my favourite parts of the podcast hosting we use is that like, you can see, uh, you know, where people are actually listening to our episodes and in the world, obviously. So it's, it's predominantly like US, UK, etc. But like, according to according to that, we have listeners in Bangladesh, Iceland, Isle of Man, Greece, Philippines, etc. So uh, this is a shout out yeah. to all our Bangladesh fans. How you guys? Oh doing? yeah, ba- Bangladonians. Like <laughs> we love you guys. <laughs> And the Iceland fans and all the other ones, we fucking love you guys. Love everyone, I love you all. And like, oh, and, and UK and you, we love everyone. We love everyone. Yeah, fuck but, you know, it's cool to see those little kind of like the way the way Podbean does it. It's like a little. It shows you a map and then it shows you like colours in the map, like where people are listening to you. So like, I want to get that like totally filled, like you know, see if we can like get it eliminated the colour of that that map. But Dylan, have you got any um any hints as to what the next episode is going to be for our listeners? Yes. Okay, so I'm doing the next episode, and um, I don't want to spoil it too much. You know, you want to give people a little cliffhanger, a little tease to to come back for the next episode. So let me let me be kind of subtle about this and say that I'm going to have Rob Van Dam being a cowboy king (laughs) from Spius, and I I don't think you're gonna you're not gonna be able to see it coming. You're gonna love it. That's very vague. <laughs> I just want to say, fucking, thank you very much to everybody who's listened to the show. We really appreciate it. Um, it's really cool. And, you know, feel free to give us some feedback or give us more ideas for Tabolos. We love that. We love, like, uh, interacting with people on Twitter. It's it's uh, it's really nice, guys. So I just want to say thank you. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Like, it's really cool to see you guys following. Like, every time we... Every time we do the show, like I see the followers number, and it's just so out of date by the time we release it. Like this, this episode's is recorded two weeks before it's released, so um, you know it's um, more more up to date than the last ones. But right now we're sitting at about five hundred odds um, Twitter followers, so which is awesome. Like we love you guys. It's really cool to see that, and really cool to see that you're listening to our stuff and um, just um, enjoying the podcast and stuff. So that's that's kind of why we do it. You know, we I do it to. Because we love podcasting and we love bringing these things and we love coming up with these ideas. And whether it's Kane um, dominating 2003 or whether it's Rob Van Dam with um, you know a, a spliff in a fucking cowboy hat. So like you know. <laughs> so uh, until next week, my name's Bryce. His name's Dylan. And keep it kayfabe, my friends. <laughs>